G'day everyone, welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. Been a while since I've uploaded a podcast that is Porsche themed, but I really appreciate you taking the time to listen today. I've got a couple of great guests. I've got Michael Barth from Porsche Cooled. He's got one of the best Porsche focused podcasts out there today. So most of you would be probably familiar with him if you're listening to my podcast. And we've got Ajmal, the flat cap driver. Been a regular on Michael's podcast and my auto media podcast as well. Between the three of us, we're just going to talk life, universe, everything to do with Porsche. So really hope you enjoy today's episode and let's have a chat to the boys. So welcome guys. Well, great to see you both face to face and audio, obviously for the listeners. It's good to be here. It's been, um, uh, well, I haven't spoken to Mike, Michael when was the last time I spoke to you. It's been a while. Mark, I spoke to you when we did the, the last Automedia podcast, which yep. was, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was good fun. I can't even remember the last time I spoke to you, Ajmal. I never speak to Mark, so he knows I always ignore his messages. I never, I never respond. I never respond to any messages. I'm really terrible. Yeah, and I apologize that, for that. I really do apologize. Look, Michael, you're just one of those guys that's got about 75 different uh, accounts on Instagram, right? And has lost track of all of them, I think. I don't know. I seem to be, I don't know if you get it, Mark, but the amount of messages I'm getting recently is just like, I, I just can't keep on top of it. It's like this monster, you know what I mean? This content monster that we all love, that we're all part of with our YouTube channels and our podcasts. But then it gets to the point where you start to run out of time and you start to think, how am I going to keep up with this? <laughs> don't you think there's, there's a little bit about, because you've, you've got to feed the monster, haven't you? You've got to feed the monster. And then when you stop feeding it, you just think, I can't take any more. Everything just falls off a cliff. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> like, you look at it and you go, oh, my God, what's wrong? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some stats here, right? Just, let's just talk about this very quickly. But let's. Porsche Cooled Instagram, right? Porsche Cooled Instagram. Weekly, it was getting about 300, 300 followers a week, right? That's great here. Wow. And then you stop feeding it. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. The other day, it was minus five followers. Like, See, because I hadn't posted a post for like, you know, five or six days. It was minus five. I mean, it's dropped down. It wasn't, it hasn't been 300 for a long time. It's only been, you know, I don't know, 70 or something. But it literally was in the negatives. So that's, you know, you just got to, you know what it's like. You just got to keep, keep doing it. Keep posting and keep liking and, you know, and, and YouTube's just a different beast. YouTube's just, you know, impossible. It is yeah, I know. I, I, I get that with YouTube because um, there's been a period where I've been doing renovations um, and I've just not done any videos. So there was a period where I was doing two, maybe two videos a week and everything was on an upward trajectory, the subscribers, the views, the watch hours. And, you know, I'm trying to get to the magic number of a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours. And I was at 3,800 watch hours. And then just took my eye off the ball. I was too busy doing something else. I think 10 or 12 days went past and I didn't do anything. I didn't even look on YouTube. Went back and had a look and I was back down to 3,000 watch hours. And then you go, because it's obviously on a rolling cycle. Yeah, and you suddenly cycle. go, yeah. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, can I, can I get myself G'd up again and, and go back at it? But I do enjoy it when I do it. And it's, it's almost like, you know, therapy as well. I find it quite therapeutic, some of the aspects of creating content. Like I'm at peace with the fact that I'm at the level I'm at, you know, I, I'm not going to do what's necessary to go to that next level. I'm not yeah. going to generate income from this and I don't desire to, cause this is my hobby. This actually is my respite from my day to day work. So I quite enjoy the time it takes to do the film, do the edit, produce something that 
I'm as long as it's a six or seven out of 10 in my head, because I'm not capable of creating or editing a 10 out of 10. So, you know, I'm pretty content with that. And my view count and subscriber count, I think is reflective of that as well. You know, a lot of people, like most of, I don't know how it is for you, Ashmal, on YouTube. And Michael, I know you've created a lot of YouTube in the past. Something like 97% of my viewers aren't subscribers anyway. And I just no yeah. one subscribes anymore. I don't subscribe to channels. I watch channels, but I don't subscribe anymore to them. You know, so I, no. I, I don't know about that, you know. I, I, I still agree. subscribe. I still subscribe. Mm, okay. See, I, I get, you're probably right. Mine's about 80%. 80% of the viewers uh, aren't subscribers. And it's, it's really bizarre because a lot of people say they don't subscribe and a lot of people aren't logged into the app. Yep. So, um, but also there's this thing about, um, you know, when you're scrolling through your feed and someone distracts you and you hover on the wrong video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it goes into autoplay and you're looking, you're talking to somebody else and you look back and you go, oh, no, that's going to mess up my feed now because I've hovered <laughs> on the wrong type of video. And one of them was for me, it was Tom Hiddleston. It was Tom Hiddleston dancing. <laughs> this one video came up and I hovered on it and it, you know, it started auto-playing and then every day I'd have to scroll through these hundreds of videos of Tom Riddleston dancing and it's just the way the algorithm works and the whole feeding of it is, for me, it's, um, it's I'm, I'm feeding it and I'm, I'm not monetized, I'm not anywhere near getting to that point but sometimes I think, why am I feeding it? I'm doing it like you, Mark, I'm thinking, I'm just doing it because I find it therapeutic, I enjoy it, I should just do it and find a theme. But mine's just a video blog, I guess, so it's not. Sure. there's nothing particular mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm quite content, like you say, doing it as I am, but it would have been interesting to see what the monetization would look like at really low figures. Like, are we talking pennies, which would be quite I funny. Think, I think the YouTube, it's, it's, you know, when I look at the stats, you know, and I've had the channel since, I don't know, 2016 or something. And you look at the stats, and it's very trend-based, if you look at videos, like there'll be videos that'll tell me that it's people have been watching these videos. And some of the videos are from 2016 and they're terrible videos. Like they're absolutely terrible videos. But I noticed the other day, one is like a Rolling Stones exhibition that we went to in London. And I guess the Rolling Stones are touring. People are searching Rolling Stones. So somehow this video is getting views, right? The other one is for the Jewish Museum in Berlin that we visited, you know, years ago. You know what I mean? And it's really weird to see these videos. It's like they're terrible videos. They're short videos. And they're getting views for what reason? Do you know what I mean? It's not about being good content. It's just whatever comes up in those search terms. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Okay. And it does, mm-hmm. it does. I think, rely on that a lot with, with Google and YouTube. I wonder, I wonder if it blows it. It's kind of something to do with, I guess it's context, isn't it? Because um, I get that where something's happened on Instagram or YouTube or somewhere in the news and someone will ask me a question on a video that I did a really long time ago and a question pops up and you know you're sat there thinking what did I say in that video they're asking me a question and I'm not sure what I said <laughs> you're a deep so you're thinker I'm going to tell you I don't, I've never thought like this <laughs> no but it's like you know it's like a year ago and you're there thinking about what did I and then you end up watching the video and you think why, why am I doing this yeah. but it's I guess it is it's it's I don't know, it's, it's, it's context, it's world news, whatever's happening. And it's the thing, you know, when you, talk, when you do a podcast or you might do a video on, you know, GT3 allocation sure. or something about a new car launch, then if a new car launch comes along, then we'll see in the search, history, uh, in the search uh, categorization you come up. Hmm. And some people do that. They do, the, they do the search on Google Trends 
they put in Porsche or they put in whatever and see whatever search term comes up and then they do a video based on that. You know what I mean? A lot, some people actually yeah. do that. They're actually that dedicated. I'm not, but I know a lot of people are yeah, dedicated. Look, look you way. know, if you're doing it for a living, you'd have to be strategic about it. If, you know, if your mortgage yeah. payments are dependent on it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I would anyway. Mark, I'd have to be that focused. But Mark, what if you, how many subscribers do you have on your channel now? And you put out a lot of content, right? A reasonable amount of content. Oh, look, as when you went to, for listeners, Prior to us recording this, <laughs> Michael went and opened the door to his room because the aircon wasn't working because it's hot in Australia right now. And um, we were just discussing how Ajmal just mentioned, what are you doing, Mark? You haven't put any content up. What are you, have you dropped off the face of the earth, right? <laughs> it's interesting you say that, Michael. But um, look, realistically, I'm putting out a video at the moment, a fortnight, I think, right? And it's I, I was consistently putting out weekly videos for some time. You know, Which but, I have to do, yeah. But, you know, to give you an idea, and Ashmal, I know you're going to relate to this. I was prior, up until the end of June, I owned a small business, medium-sized business really, and um, I sold the business and that was the transition date. For the 25 years prior to that transition, I was working six or seven days a week. Right. And cranking out content. As well, you know, in that, in that, you know, the last two to three years as well as doing that and trying to be a dad, obviously all of it was compromised. I wasn't doing that good a job. I now work five days a week for a new company and I'm struggling to come up. I'm struggling to get to, onto the content. I don't, I don't I've got less time. <laughs> so I'm working less. And I know, Ajmal, you mentioned to, it, mentioned to me in the past that since you haven't been working full time, you're struggling with, you know, getting the time to do the content because of everything else. The rest of your life, it gets in the way. Yeah, it is. Because because when I was working and we were in lockdown or, or when everyone was working from home, it it wasn't as difficult because you could take a time out. You could take a little break and I'd just jump in the car, drive. And I used to have to do some video blogs for work as well. So I'd literally just grab my camera and walk into the woods, do a little video and come back. And a lot of the times it was just, oh, I've got 10 minutes here and I wouldn't think about the content and yeah. it would all just be off the yeah. top of my head. And even for my work stuff, you know, video blog that went out on LinkedIn, went out on company websites, went out to all my clients. They, they were just stuff off the top of my head. Um, but then when you drop out of the nine to five, because all of the events and everything like that's happening at the weekend and, and things like that. And then you're like, well, actually, I work nine to five. Weekend's my family time. It's my personal time. I'm not going to go drive three hours to an event, do videos all day, come back, edit them. No, you're at work during the week. You're, you're doing other stuff during the rest of the time. And it just feels like a yeah. bit of a grind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's been asking me, where's my video? You know, I, I said I put a video up on YouTube when I got back and I'd film the car. But in all honesty, I've been so busy, <laughs> right, <laughs> that I haven't had a chance to. And I know people keep asking me, where's the video? Where's the video? You know, and it's like... You go for a drive in your car or you go out and sometimes you just don't want to shoot a video. You know what I mean, Ajmal? I mean, you go somewhere, yeah. like you said, you just don't. And Mark, you don't want to do it. You just, you know, you just, I don't know. It, it, it's hard. And if you don't make content, you know, it, it really is hard to understand how difficult it is to like focus on that because who's ever with you or whatever you're doing, they suffer in the background because they're not, mm. you know, you're not with them. You're, you're doing this thing. You know what I mean? You're making sure the camera's right. You're making sure you, t you know, you've got everything you need. Well, you take um, three takes not, to do something very obvious, you know, that should, you, yeah. your best take is always your first take. I don't care how bad it is, you know? So yeah. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And which is, which is why I say that what Ajma does in the car is still the, 
that's still the best way to do it though. If you just by yourself, you're going to get something and you put the, you know, if you remember to put the GoPro on and you just start talking. And I think that's not the lazy way, but it's the easiest way just to get content out there. Do you know what I mean? Easy edit too, Ashmel. Uh, it is easy. A couple of videos I've just put straight out with zero editing. Oh, I just good chopped it from the two ends yeah, and yeah. just thrown it out. Um, but Michael's right. Sometimes it, it is, and you get the most. Enga- I think you get the most engagement that way, because yeah. the thing I've found on my stats is based on the number of views and subscribers, I get brilliant engagement um, comments back, and it's almost like you know the people. I, I you know it's not a massive channel, so it's kind of like the people that I know. And you're messaging them individually in the background on YouTube. They know about you. You know about them. So their 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 message resonates with you because of something you might have spoken about in the past. But with um, and and then the editing, obviously, you know, I don't really edit. But one of the things that uh, Michael just said about you know the, the people that you're with suffer. And at the moment, my wife's current bugbear is that our everyday practical car is my. 911. And every time she drives somewhere in it, she gets there. The first thing she does is send me an abusive text. She <laughs> tell you how crap the car is. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's mostly I've made it here alive in your shit car. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you sold the VR6. You sold the uh, R32. Golf right? R. Golf R, Golf R, yeah. R, sorry. Well, you're going to get oh, there eventually, yeah, Michael. Yeah, it was one of the One of them. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was, um, she, she agreed with that, though. It was just crazy money. You know, it was a four-year-old car. We hardly used it. And mm. it wasn't a workhorse kind of car. The stuff we do in the house, you can't just throw stuff into it and go to yeah. the tip because yeah. you're going to wreck it. Expensive. Um, and yeah, and it was crazy money. So we're, we're now looking for a, a much cheaper car. But uh, the thing that I have to do, and she has now agreed to do, is uh, video reviewing it <clears throat> to where she's driving the car. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And, and I think that's going to need a lot of editing. She swears <laughs> so much when she's driving that car. Honestly, just don't edit it. Just punch it out there, Ajmal. <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. It's just, honestly, it's hilarious. Because the first thing she did was the first time she drove it, she went off, got in, started it up, and I got a text message immediately. She just left the house. I thought, what's happened now? And it was a photo of the dash. What does this light mean? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, okay, it's going to go out when you start driving. It's just for the rear spoiler that it's working. And it was stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, go somewhere else. Right. It's on quarter of a tank. What does that mean? Can I go 30 miles on the motorway? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's just been stuff like that, whereas, whereas my daughters love it. And I've, I've just uh, got the second Christmas tree the other day sticking out the sunroof. And that was, I was with my seven-year-old daughter and she found it hilarious because it That's was sticking out the sunroof. Photo. That's a but it was, photo. But it was, a, it was a beast of a tree, but it was sticking out the sunroof and it fell over as I was driving. So I was propping it up with my head <laughs> so I could reach the gear stick while I was driving and she was in hysterics behind me. Honestly, so, yeah. Ajmal, you need, you need to buy a, the cheapest Cayenne in UK or something. That's oh, what you they're need. So, they're so bad, though. They are, and they cost so much to get, fix. Yeah. No, no, there is no cheap one, Michael. You can get one. Overland it. Overland it. Overland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I, like, I, I just... Sorry, go on. I like I, how they look, by the way. Yeah. I've been watching, I've been, I've actually started following some people on Instagram, a couple of people, oh. because I actually like how they look. I think they look pretty cool. The I know KMs? they're really expensive and they're not reliable, but they look cool. I didn't buy one of only three <clears throat> manual 
gearbox KNs that came to Australia. It had I had it was offered. It was like a 0405 model. Had like three hundred and fifty thousand Ks on it, but it was a manual factory wow. manual. The, I didn't know they had manual. Yeah, this it was a no cost option, and um, oh okay, yeah. The owner he waited like three years delivery for the thing from when they first came out, wow. and I think it was like about I think the guy wanted like eighteen thousand dollars for it or something, and it was you know sure, twice the lot. price of what. The market value of one of those KNs is, especially with that many Ks on it. But the guy lived in Broome. To give you an idea, Rajmal, that's about two and a half thousand kilometres <laughs> north of Perth, right? Yeah, so, that's that's down the road. Yeah, yeah. He used to truck it down to Perth once a year to get serviced. Oh my word. Mm. Right. So it's a well looked after car and all the Ks, because he went he drove it every two years to Melbourne from Broome. Now, there aren't many places on the earth you can travel that's on land that way. sort of distance, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's how far away that's Broome and Melbourne way. are. And um, I, I You know, I should have bought I was the car. Just, I, I was just I was just gonna say you did the right thing not buying it. Yeah. Because <laughs> Michael I was listening diesel, to the podcast. Diesel kind was, on as well. Diesel kind. No, on. no, no. I was listening. I was listening to the podcast this morning while I was walking were into you? the village. Yeah, and you and Steve were talking, and you were saying how plug. you don't, but you don't take the car out. You're nine eleven out because you can't every day it daily it, and then you might get a Macan or a Cayenne. And right. I out loud said, "No, Michael, no." <laughs> I did that. I did that because I know I knew you'd be listening, and I know how much you hate them. <laughs> I know how much you hate them, but I tell you what, when I went to Oberon recently and you saw, you probably saw the aftermath, aftermath of with Stephen's car and, and Stephen's yes. friend who had the Ferrari, I was in that same weather. And I am so glad I did not take my 911 because this farm where my, my niece got married, honestly, it would have been trashed. My car would have been trashed. It is way too low. My, my car cannot get into drive into car parks here. I've tried twice with damage now. So you need, it's just you need a lift kit. It's too low. It's time for a, time need a, lift, for a lift kit. kit. Yeah, I need a lift kit. Yeah. Honestly, Over, I if I had a lift kit, it'd be fine. I do. What I really love about having you two guys on this podcast is how diametrically opposite you consider your cars. Like with Ajmal, like the moment, Ajmal, that I saw that video of you crushing that Carrera um, door sill plate. And then holding it up, going, what happened here? It's just distressing. That, I know, Michael, honestly, that Michael would have been up all night. There's no way he would have <laughs> you know, gone to sleep that oh, night had he done that very well. You know, I did literally. I'll look tell at you that. something. I over my shoulder. <laughs> I'll tell you something that distressed me just before I came on. Um, David, who's been on Porsche Good Owners Stories before from New Zealand, who's got a 981 Spider. He had a Dino and he had, you know, a um, couple of Porsches. He posted the a red picture one? on his. Is it the red? Yeah, the, the red spider. spider. Yeah. He just yes. posted the picture. Did you see that, Ashmal? I haven't that just seen it. That just distressed no. me so much. Like, it's not stone oh. chips on the front of your car. It's the whole back of the spider. Is, yes. The paint is yes. removed. The paint is removed. I saw that. Like, yeah. that is the reason why, Steve, if you're listening to this, you have PPF, you know? Seriously. It's, it's, it's patina. It's patina. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's just upsetting. You just, you just upsetting. You'd be on the ground crying. I'd be on the ground crying. Now, for any, that is for, for any listeners that, you know, those three Porsche-interested listeners that don't know you two guys, Michael, tell us what car do you have? What Porsche do you own? I own a very low mileage, low kilometre. <laughs> uh, 2006 997 Carrera, <clears throat> two manual, uh, what is it? Not GT Silver. I wish it was GT Silver. When they advertised it, they told me it was GT Silver. Um, Arctic Silver. Arctic, yep. 
Mm. What color interior? That's about it. Black, le- uh, black, yep. black leather interior, mm-hmm. part leather interior. I'm not sure which part is leather and which part isn't, but it's part leather interior. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, getting yeah. filled up more and more with leather. Um, lobster claw wheels, uh, lobster claw wheels, which are being customized in a two-tone by a guy in the UK called Chris at XL Wheels. Two-tone? Uh, one of what the have, wheels. have they painted the centers or something, have they? What's happened there? Yeah, it's the silver lip and it's the the center is actually a Porsche color. It's a... I forget the code. It's OB04 or something. Yeah, what color though? It's actually a 991 wheel color that was on GTS or something. It's actually a Porsche wheel color. Um, And when I approached Chris at XL Wheels in the UK, because I bought the wheels in the UK, I brought them back to Australia. That's that's some serious luggage allowance, Michael. Well, I brought two back with my luggage. Thank you, Singapore Airlines. I brought two back with my luggage, oversized, and then I shipped two, which cost me an absolute fortune. Um, and recently I just damaged one of the wheels and I was actually Ooh. going to get a replacement one. I was Ooh. just going to buy, get Chris to do me another wheel. But instead, common sense prevailed and I went to a mobile wheel repairer here in Sydney that Steve had used. And he repaired it. And it's pretty good, but I can tell that it's been repaired. But it's, it, yeah, it's okay. Is it damaged because you curbed it? Yeah, I went to the I went to Bunnings, which is the hardware store here, Ajmal, if you don't know what Bunnings I've, is. I've heard of Bunnings. My brother used to live in Sydney. <laughs> I went to Bunnings and I, I had a little bit of an accident with a curb because of this stupid woman. So. Oh, yeah, that would have been heartbreaking for you. Uh, the noise was heartbreaking, yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. I've got it's a, the first um, time I damaged those wheels in four years, so there you go. I've got a um, set of white wheels on my daily and... I was reversing the other day and got very close to the curb. I felt the nudge and I thought, no. So I know the feeling. They didn't touch the curb. The tyre did. So thank goodness. But I I know the the distress of that sound. Like my wife's got an Audi TT and um, not one wheel is untouched. Like I got, yeah, we, got yeah. we got a round shaped car thinking that she wouldn't be able to knock the corners off it because they already are off, but no. Mm. Similar sort of problem. Yeah, it's a bit distressing. It's distressing when it happens for the first time, but, you know, you get it repaired and it's, it looks normal again. It looks back to, you know, almost 100%. So you just sort of go. But like, you know, don't you, fine. deep down? I'm not going to say how I know that it's been repaired because I want Steve to see it first and he hasn't yeah, okay. seen it and I want him to pick it. But there's two things that I can tell that, that it's not correct. You don't see it, but like there's two things, and I'm just going to wait till Steve sees it and let's see if he can uh, pick it. Yeah, I'm well. sure he will. What about you, Ajma? What, what's your what do you, what's your Porsche garage look like at the moment? Uh, well, it's three. This year. Um, so <laughs> so my, my daily my daily is uh, 1998 996 uh, Crow Two, and unlike Michael's. It's got high mileage. It's just at 155,000 miles. And I bought it for six and a half thousand pounds two and a half years ago. And it's just been my everyday car since then. I'm still under 10,000 pounds maintenance and everything like that. Uh, It's black interior, three-spoke wheel, leather option. And I just saw a video by Lee Sibley of Nine Works Radio. Um, and he did an annual cost of running a 996. And where was his number? And he, uh, his was six and a half grand for the year. That was his maintenance that he paid for it. Um, in total or every year? Since he's this, this, this in the last 12 months. Okay. Lee's, Lee's actually so been I, a guest on the podcast before. Great guy. 
Yeah, he's a good guy. I've met him at the, he does the fried eggs event. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really good guy. Um, but mine, like, you know, some stuff just happens and I don't do anything with it. Unlike Michael's, you know, if I get a ding on my car, I probably won't notice uh, <laughs> because it's got a thick layer of mud on it. It hasn't been washed since probably about eight months. Uh, and inside mm. the interior is mostly Christmas tree pine needles. I, in the feel, I feel like you wear this a little bit like a badge of honour. Well, no, I, t- I do when it's time to wash and the weather is good. I go outside and I think, but wouldn't I rather be driving? So yeah, I just jump that, in and go that's for a good drive logic. Instead. It's hard to argue with that logic. Uh, yeah. Um, but I've also got a really crusty Boxster which is just part oh, of the end still, of my drive, and I pretend... you still got that. Still got it. It. I still got that. I still pretend like it doesn't exist. exist. Uh, well, I just pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, and I've got a 1966 Porsche 912. Yay. I can't believe you got three Porsches. Seriously. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. It must sometimes. be good to have money. Michael, Michael, uh, Michael. Let's be honest. He's got one good Porsche. It's the nine twelve. I'm a little bit distressed, though. I'm a little bit distressed with the nine nine six. Because aren't you worried? Like honestly, the, the you know, let's talk about values. Because I love talking about values. The nine nine six is going up in price. Aren't you a little bit concerned, Ashmel, that you're really just wiping all the value off that car? No, I reckon he's. I, really. I don't think he could. I reckon it's at the bottom of its curve. No, it's totally. Really? It's, I've been I've been offered twelve for it already. So that's almost double what I paid for it two yeah, and a half years ago. Crazy. I think um, crazy. And, and I, I wouldn't sell it because could I get into another one? Probably not. Um, but also I like the, the sort of emotional, mental freedom it gives me because yeah. I'm so low into it that I can just redline yeah. it wherever I go. I can leave it wherever I go. I can go to the supermarket. I can go, I can go to the tip. I, I, I drove, drove to my mum's earlier this week and it was a 250-mile uh, round trip in a day. Um, and it's all absolutely fine. And I don't, you know, I don't do that thing where a lot of people do is to get it perfect. I just get it so it runs perfect. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and anything else is something that I'll worry about when I'm flush with a bit of cash. Otherwise, it's, it's just about enjoyment being behind the wheel. Michael, it's interesting you bring up that topic about values. Do you, does that mm. dictate how you use your car? No. Okay. No. The roads and the conditions dictate how I use my car at the moment. Look, I, I've been, you know, look, in the last couple of weeks since I've been back, um, apart from the repairs that have been done and not having the car, I find Sydney very different to what I remember it being. I find the roads worse than what they were. I find that, is that know, impossible? access to places. Yeah, and I find access to places is really difficult. I mean, I drove my car in torrential rain on fr- the other Friday. You know what I mean? Yep. We went out to get a, you know, reindeer skin of all things in Sydney. Um, and, you know, it was just torrential and it was like semi-trailers on this road and it was like stuff flying up everywhere. You know, it distresses me, but, you know, it is what it is. But it's just the, it's just the access side of it. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Because my car is too low. It really is too low. It needs to be a little bit higher. I keep saying this. It needs to be about five millimeters higher. And, you know, this week I've been recording a lot of owner stories. I recorded... Since Monday, I've recorded six owner stories. Since six? Last Monday. Yeah. So one of the guys I was talking to had actually done the suspension on his 997, a guy in New York, um, the suspension that I want to do. And he takes his off-road. He has a roof, a roof box, which I like, and he takes it off-road, but he changed his suspension due to the shitty roads in New York. You know what I mean? So, because he lives in Brooklyn. Sure, they are average. 
Yeah, so I think if I if I think if I you know I'm not going to do that now because I just had my car serviced. People who don't know, I had the you know the front shocks were refreshed. It cost me a lot of money just to get in there, just to replace a sixty dollar part. So if I was going to do it, I probably should have done it then, not now because now I've already paid for that repair. So I'll just leave it. Um, but is I think any, my car just needs to be a little bit higher. I think it's like a little a bit higher. Okay? Conversion? I think if was I that, had, is that what it was? Sorry, is that a coilover conversion? This other guy's done. Yeah, yeah. He got yeah, okay. the, the Bilstein the Bilstein kit, sure, the one the that B16's I want to get, which I can never like remember the number. Yeah, okay. P the sport kit, you know, the anyway, back springs and yeah. the mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to be a really good one. It's always what people say in Rend List. Um But this is what I I think if I if I ever had the opportunity to buy a new nine eleven, a GT three or a GTS or whatever it would be, it would have to have or a used one. I really want a lift kit. I really think, or you'd have to get a lift kit fitted afterwards, like what Steve did on his GT3. So is this a lot to do with, do you think this is a lot to do with where you live? Because you live in a big city. And to get around, it's congested, you stop, start, it's turning, everything's tight. Exactly, yeah, it's up and down. Um, Whereas, you know, the roads are pretty bad around here, mostly because they've been neglected since, you know, pandemic. The Roman Roman days, yep, yep. Yes, that but, too. <laughs> and, and it's country lanes, though. So once you get out yeah. of the little village, well, you're just straight into country lanes in two minutes. It's the same as here, though, Ajmal. You know what I mean? Like, I'm probably giving people the wrong idea, right? When I went for a drive up the coast and I've been on a couple of... You know, when, you're, when I'm in another city, the car's fine. It's perfect. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's perfect. It's just, it's just driving around the city in a manual. I know I'm sounding like a bit of a wimp here, but it really is not that... It's not. I don't. I haven't been finding it enjoyable driving it around to do errands. I really haven't. It's a very heavy Hence clutch in that car, Michael. On. Sorry. Is, is a clutch very heavy in a nine nine seven? I've driven a couple of nine nine sevens. I don't remember the clutch being heavy, mm, but I've never driven them in I traffic either. You know. I don't think it's that light. Okay. Ajmal, how's your nine nine six? I don't think it's super it's, light. Uh, it's quite heavy on the nine nine six. You really notice it if you're stuck in traffic a really long time and it stop start. Mm. You really notice it. And yeah, especially so. the way, yeah, it's the angle of your foot as well. You really start to yeah. answer it after a because lot of stop ang- start. Because you're on that angle and your feet, you know. It's because yeah. the cars were and, meant to but be But it's a great experience. Don't, you know, I'm giving the wrong impression here. You know, there's nothing wrong with the car. You know what I mean? The car's great. It's just lately because I have been doing that, you know, errand running thing. Yeah. And I know Ajmal does his car and uses it for errands, but it just doesn't work, I think, in the, in the inner city where I live. Is that your only car, Michael? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, look, you know what you mentioned before about the rain and the torrential rain and driving in the traffic. Yes. As both you guys know, I've got a 356, and I'm fine with driving it in terrible weather, but my reluctance to do so has more to do with the cleanup afterwards as opposed to what's happening to the car during the event. Like, you know, obviously the car's 60-plus years old and the – you know, the paint is was redone in the eighties, so it's not perfect by a long shot, but it presents nicely. Like you know, it'd be the same with you know where where every imperfection is in your car, Michael, because I know you'd wash it, whereas Ajmal would have no idea about the imperfections in his car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know but, some of them. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the point I'm making is it's just the clean of the car afterwards, because I like the car to always look nice. You know, when I go out in the garage, I look at it, I go, hmm, yeah, pretty. I want to drive it. So part of the drive experience for me is that the car looks nice, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, I washed my car the other day and I posted images on Instagram about it, but I hadn't, you know, and I waxed my car. And I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't done that in two years um, for obvious reasons. So that was the first time. Even though I'd been back for a month, 
I just, you know, I've been washing it quite quick, 40 minutes. So yesterday I decided, okay, I'll just, I'll give it a wax and then it's done, you know, until January sort of thing. So, but I'm the same as you. I, I get enjoyment out of it. I like it when it's done. It feels good. You know, you see a couple of new scratches here and there, you know, you always notice things, but you can't do much about it. I find car washing in general, like we've got several cars in the, at home here, but I actually find the process of washing it quite therapeutic in my time, if you know yeah. what I mean, as a grown man and, you know, with my mental yeah. health and all those sorts of things, just going out with everything I need to do it and actually completing the task and going, yeah, I'm happy with that, that finished. Particularly, as I mentioned earlier, having a car with white wheels and very dusty brakes, it's a regular thing now. I think for me, I think for me, it's it's um, it would be therapeutic if I didn't have anywhere to be, Fair. and the weather was good. And you know, in England, that's not always the case. Sure, sure. And I've got all the equipment there, and I can just get on with it, and no one's bothering me. Um, if you're trying to fit it in between something, then yeah, I, that's, I, just, yeah, that's I, won't even, I won't even try it. Yeah, yeah I won't even try it. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, I think if I lived in the UK permanently, I probably wouldn't wash it as much. Just yeah, okay. due to the weather, like mm-hmm. what Ajmal said. I don't think – I think it's probably impossible to because, you know, it's always going to drizzle. It's always going to get something on it, right, Ajmal? So it's like you can't yep. be too overprecious um, unless you store your car and you've got someone detailing it for you every time you drive it. But I think in, if, in the UK, I think you just have to sort of bear it and just sort of live with a bit of dirt here and there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, there are people who regularly wash their cars. I've got friends who have new high-end cars and they wash them religiously every week and take an hour and a half, two hours to properly detail them. I, I couldn't, not not with just, you know, life in general sure. um, does not allow two hours every week to well, just well, have well, that selfish do, time. You're, do, you're doing something else in those two hours, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, knocking down a chimney. Yeah, stuff like that, you know. Just crazy stuff. <laughs> but a lot of people don't have garages either. They don't have a garage, right? You park in the street, so it's a little bit impossible yep. as well. Yeah, a lot okay. Of people yeah, park yeah, in the street. Definitely. Yeah, that would make things even people worse. with new cars, new new nine elevens. You know, they park in the street. I don't know many people over in the UK. People who have garages, I don't know that many who actually park their car in the garage because unless it's a classic car, they, you know, normally they garage, garage full, full of, of junk. boxes. <laughs> no, whereas, yeah, a lot of people do that. Whereas, you know, my garage has always had a car in it. Whereas, I don't have a garage at the moment. Um, but in our last house, when we moved from about six months ago, you know, I had. For years, my MG was in the garage. And um, unfortunately, during the winter, that would literally just get boxes stacked on top of it. Yeah. And the bins were in the garage. So my wife <laughs> would do this thing. If it's recycling, she would literally open the door and just fling the, the box into the garage and it would bounce across the car. <laughs> and then if it, when it came to spring, Michael's wincing, I bet. But when it came to spring, I would have to literally dig it out from under the boxes to take it out. That's classic. And... And it was, you know, it never got cleaned, but it was, um, but then, you know, if I didn't have a classic car, would I be putting my modern car in the garage? I don't know. They're made to be outside. Yeah, I don't, no, they're not. Look, I'm, I'm in the fortunate position, which is the diametric opposite of you, Ajmal. I have a good size garage. It's two cars wide. And once the lifts go in, it'll be two cars high. And it also has a workshop, wow. right? And the floor's been treated. To give you an idea, on Sunday I vacuum my garage. Oh my goodness! Right, so wow, <laughs> you know it's a it's a different stratosphere of garage to what you yeah. are, you know. And um, 
I love my garage being clean. You know what? My The walls are painted gloss white. You know, so my wife loves going into the garage because she likes that it's clean and orderly and stuff like this, you know. So she would never just throw a box in there. You know, we've got recycling bins for that stuff. Yeah, it's a whole yeah diff- we have but, as well. But it's a different lifestyle, <laughs> you know what I mean, of um, like Michael said, the parking, you know, people just don't have the garages as, as often, you know, to use for yeah. that type of thing. Like we, it's not even on my radar to park a car outside. But your car's very valuable, Mark. No, no, I'm not talking about the 356. I'm talking about my dailies. But the 356, so, you know, you wouldn't park a 356 on the street in UK either. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair cop. Your car is is pretty special. Mm -hmm. Speaking of special, did you see that um, Oslo Blue 912 for sale on Picar Market? Ajmal? Oslo Blue is a good colour. I haven't seen the car, but it is a good colour, Oslo Blue. It's a beautiful colour. I did, but- It's on Market. It's very nice. I think they only want 40K for it. I think it's got to buy it now for 40K. How did, did 912s get so dear? It's just I don't, so cheap, huh? I don't know. No, but I went to see uh, Rent, Rent Vehicle Design, Brian at Rent Vehicle Design. Yeah. Nice and they, they had a really good guy, and he's always very welcoming and lets you have a wander around, talk to anybody you want. And they've always got a few right-hand drive 912s. And one of them, a red mm. one, it, it might Too as well expensive. have been a brand new car. It looked like a brand new car, but it was £125,000. And Crazy. I thought, you'd have to have a lot of money and specifically really desperately want a 912 because you'd just go, why don't I just get into a 911S or something like that mm. from mm. 1973 or something like that. Whereas, mm. Is that, that, long, is that long hood car money in the UK? Like if you want a long hood 911 in the UK, like I'm completely got no idea on 911 values in the UK. A lot. That, no, a that's lot. that's uh, still expensive for uh, a usable 911. Yeah, okay. So it's but kind it of it's kind of like you you could get one for you could get a usable one for like 80. Wowza! Yeah, okay. So yeah, you be a pretty good 912 then. A good 912 is forty five thousand pounds. Yeah. Now. A, a, a yep. better one is like fifty five thousand pounds. You know what I mean? Yep. Inherently, the so, pro- the single biggest problem nine twelve is they cost the same money to restore as a nine eleven. Exactly what I was going to say. It's that inherently the, the flaw with the, the model. You know, now yep. three five yep. six is different because it's a whole different stratosphere. Don't get me wrong; they're very expensive body work and all that sort of stuff to do as well. And the motor is obviously yep. the same price to fix as a nine twelve motor. But in the scheme of the body work. The 500 hours or whatever it takes to do the metalwork blocking and painting of that car, there's no getting around that, whether it's a 911 or a 912, is there? No, it's it's the same. It's so if you think take the engine out, obviously, it's yep. uh, to to restore one, it's like 120,000 pounds. If you took it to rent vehicle design, sure. you had a, you had yep. a 912. If Just, I took mine and I said, I want it brand new, it would be 125,000 pounds. Yep. Well, I was told that just to do the paint, if the car's got a lot of rust, whether it be a 911 or 912 in Australia, if you get it done properly, it's about 200000 for the paint. If you, need one, how if you need one doing, Michael, I'll organise it for you. You give me the 200 and I'll get it sorted for you. <laughs> that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. <laughs> now, I'm look, not going to say where it, I heard it from, it is, but that's what I heard. That If you budget, look, I know the numbers between 100 and 200, depending on who does it, but you don't want someone doing it for the first time. Well, you want an expert, yeah, somebody that knows what they're doing, doing a 911, obviously. But, 
But what did you do to yours, Mark? Did you, I forget your? I forget the story. Did you have to get yours resprayed? Was yours? No, did yours have rust? Did you I, had to get no, cut out. No. I've had some rust repair done, but I've right. still got, except for that rust repair section that's in one of the doors, right? Yeah. At the bottom, the lower of the door, because you've got to remember pre seventy four, I think it is, or seventy six, before yep. the bodies were galvanised. Everyone's got problems, right? The um, yeah. So I had to get that rust repair done, but. Other than that, I've, my car's still the way it was. I know how bad it is under the paint. You know, yeah, I, I've got a lot of. I've done a lot of work on my car myself. I've seen inside my door panels. I've done. You know, I've been in and around my car. I know where the flaws are, and at some point, I'll crack that pinata open. Like right now, right. I couldn't overcapitalize. If I went and got the whole body done, I'd still be ahead because I bought the car before they were stupid money. You know, before they were ridiculous. Yeah. So. If I spent a hundred grand or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars, I'd still be okay. I'd come out the other end of it, but I don't see the need to do so. You know, like I'm, I would yeah. prefer to have it in its condition the way it is, so I, I'm comfortable driving it. Like if I go and spent one hundred and fifty grand on the body of that car, and the paint is perfect, I'm not going to want to go for a yeah. country drive in it where there's stone chips and stuff like that to happen. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. You mentioned earlier yeah. about PPF. PPF is a great yep. product, but it's not really a thing that belongs on a 356, is it? It's a thing that belongs on a modern no, 911. Really. You know, it's so it's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, you know? but I, th- I think what you said though is that it's the mindset, you know what I mean? It's a different mindset between classic and, and modern. Let's call the 997, 996 sure. modern. Yep. If I had a classic like you, your 356 or Ajmal's 912, I don't want it to be perfect. I don't want a concourse 912. And I've told you this before, Ajmal, I think we've, we've spoken mm. about this. I don't want a concourse yep. one. I like it to have a bit of patina. I'd, all I would do if, if it was me, I would make sure I would do the interior. I would get the interior fixed up by someone who's special and get it factory, pretty much factory. Um, but the outside, if it's rust-free and whatever, I don't mind if the paint's got a bit of patina, it's got a bit of character, it's all fine. That side of it I think is better. I don't, I don't like these 912s, 911s when they're fully, fully done up. When they're perfect. Personally. Yeah. Not the classics. Not the classics. Speaking of modern cars, I have a very good relationship now. I haven't in years gone past, but I do now have a very good relationship with the Porsche Centre in Perth. And I've chopped in there this afternoon on the way in preparation for this discussion we had to look at some modern cars. And um, there was a 981, a 2016 981 GT4 in there. Now, I've been the fortunate position to drive one of these cars. I love them, right? GT4s. Yeah. This car's $210,000. Now, yeah. to give you some idea, Ajmal, a brand new 718 <clears throat> GT4 is $250,000. This is a five-year-old car, right, wow. that is sold at the Porsche Centre, you know, and parked right next to it was a 991 PDK Carrera S, for $160,000. And I feel like that career, mm. look, to give you some reference for any listeners that aren't conscious of it, the 981 actually has, the 981 GD4 has a career S engine in it. It's not a GT motor. Mm. I think the career S was probably better value for money at $50,000 less. Mm, in my mind, I would no buy. Doubt. I think, oh, sorry, mm. go on, Michael. No, I would say I would buy the GT4. 
Yeah, if okay, I had a chance, if I had a choice, I think the GT4 is still a bit more unique. And I have to say, I've just spoken to someone this week who's who's owned two 981 GT4s and a, and a 981 uh, Cayman S as well. Yep, who's coming up? And I like the GT4. I like the 981 version. I know it's not the GT4 motor. It's not the GT motor. It's not like the new one. You know what I mean? But I still like it. And I I, I agree with you. The prices of the GT4s, Mark, they seem to have changed. Um, they were they were struggling there for a bit. They were about one seventy, one sixty nine. Now they're at the same price. They're at the same price as a twenty seventeen Carrera S. You know what I mean? They're at yep. that same yep. turbo price. Yep. So they're at about two ten, two twenty. Um, I still think they're a good car if you get it in the right spec. If you get yeah, it in well, the right this spec. this was well spec. It had ceramics and it had buckets. Mm. Mm. You know, and like it's like I did a video on one maybe two years ago, three years ago. Mm. And it's the mm. same colour and spec of that one. And it is a great car, but my goodness, is a gearbox a challenge. You know, you may as well – sure, it's a six-speed gearbox. Great. Yep. But you need two. It's the, the second gear, gear is yeah. like the longest gear that's ever existed. Yeah. The, the motor's talky enough to pull it off. Don't get me wrong. But it's a waste of time unless you get on the track and or even on the autobahn. I – I just, you know, you'd need to spend another twenty grand on it to get the Sharkworks gearbox kit put through the thing to make the car usable. See, I, I think well, I'm, I'm a bit. I, th- I think I'm going to disagree only because I've just spoken to someone that's that's on two. Yeah, yeah. And he says it's not that big a deal. It's it's over. It's it's over talked. You know, it's over. You know, it's it's not really that big an issue. Is, it, is this the IMS discussion, or, but for uh, Caymans? I think so. I think so. Yeah, okay, you know what good I mean. One. Yeah, yeah. And like Relevant, I said, he yeah. he bought one. He bought one. Blair Blair. You know, in the US, he bought one. He didn't like the color. He sold it after a few weeks, and then he bought another one. What color was the original? Um, white. Okay. And then he got a blue one. But he he reckons that the gearing is not sure. It's long, but he doesn't think it's as big an issue as being as people are making out. As an owner, as an owner, he doesn't. Yeah. Care. Okay. Fair. Look, I only had a drive for like three or four hours, so it's a whole different. Thing. If you have a car for a week, that's different. But yeah, true, you know, true. I don't have that. But as you said, YouTube you know, channel where I get a twenty car grand. But Mark, twenty thousand US dollars to, to rechange the gearing with Sharkworks. You know, who would do that? Seriously, people do. Obviously, do Sharkworks exist for a reason, don't they? Yeah, I think they do a good job. But I wouldn't change the gearing on a GT4. I think when for you me, think of the I price think... in the US. Yeah, yeah. But I think for me, it goes back to the GT4 versus Carrera S. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got to think about where you're coming from. So if you think, well, actually, I've had a 911. Because, you know, everybody thinks 911. If you you haven't got into the Porsche Porsche ownership journey, then your ultimate goal is 911. If you've been there, so sometimes you hear Magnus Walker talking about the next big thing. And he says, well, is, yes, a question like, is the 928 a better driver's car than a 911? You could, well, you can only say that because you're so far advanced on your Porsche journey. You've yep. driven every 911 there is from 1960s to, 19, to, to now. And then you go, you find a little niche car and you go, actually, I quite enjoy driving this. Whereas if you're, if you've just bought a Boxster, if you've bought a 996, if you've bought whatever it is, you're going to look at that and go, why do I want to spend that much when I can get into a 911 that I can drive to work every single day for the next 10 years? Um, but it's but if you've been on that journey and you've been past that, you've done the 911 Carrera S, you've done the Turbo, you've done all of those things, then you might go, yeah, I want that because it's a different animal. And I might, like Michael said, I might go on the track. And it's like you said, Mark, if you're, 
if you're trying to enjoy it and you want power that's accessible and you want to be able to enjoy it on the road, that's long second gear. Because when I think about my 996 and I can get to 70 miles an hour in second, and I do it because I talk, take my daughter swimming every Saturday and it's on the slip road onto the, onto the highway and it's always floor it down, hit the national speed limit and then quickly go through the next four gears. Yeah, yeah. And it's because it just goes so far in that gear. But it's nice to zip around on the roads and you feel like you're really getting something out of it. But if you did that on a GT4, it's, it's just it's too much for the roads. You're never really pushing it. You're never really feeling that big oomph of power at the higher rev range. Whereas I think a 911, there's something mm. more, there's something not mystical, but there's but something more about 911. I, I know you guys have brought this up in previous podcasts that you two have been involved in, not on my podcast, and I've heard it, okay? I'm a fairly tragic Porsche fan. I don't hold the 911 to the pinnacle that a lot of enthusiasts that are new to the brand take do. That, take that back I'm right now. I'm just letting you know. You know, I, I don't get, they are great cars. 100% accepted, right? However, there are that many nuances and models. Like, I think I heard on Spike's Car Radio or Matt Farris smoking tire saying there was something like 27 different 991, 911 models available throughout its life. You know, so mm. there is a 911 for everyone, right? Don't get me wrong. I get it. And they are great, amazing, driving, rewarding cars. But I'm mm. also independent enough to think, to measure each on their merit. I, is it, is, is the, the fact it is a 911, is that the, the king of the hill for me? Not really. I, could, I bought a 356. I could have bought at that time a 911 for comparable money. And I would probably still have it. Don't get me wrong. But the good thing about the 356 to me was that's as good as it got for its model. Whereas in a 911, you're always chasing the next best thing because it's still within its life cycle. Like I think a 968 is a better driving car independently. Like I aspire to own a 968 CS before I'd have a 911 CS of that same era, that G-body car. You know, because I've driven both now and I think if that was – I had X dollars to spend in that market at that time, that's where I would go. So the 911 isn't that whole pinnacle or holy grail for everyone in my opinion because that's not the case for me. Well, I think – so you're speaking from a point of uh, an evolved view of the brand – yeah, okay. Yep, sure. Yeah, so I think that's because you've been on the journey, you've seen, you've experienced it. And, you know, if I was to say about driving a 911 every day, I love my 996. I probably wouldn't go any newer than that. And I love my 912 because it's an older car and sure. I'm not going to go backwards through a tree yeah. <laughs> when I'm going around a bend because <laughs> it's not, you know, the engine sat way mm. more forward mm. than in a 911. It's yep. way lighter mm-hmm. and it's just more nimble. I would love it to be a 911. Uh, I would, but I think I get decent enough enjoyment out of it for the amount that I've paid for it. And if I was to say, well, actually, did I enjoy driving a Boxster? Mine's like awful Boxster. And if I fit in it a bit better, because I can't quite fit in it. But just from the point of enjoying the experience and it being a driver's car, it's probably better because you've got more accessible performance. Sure. It's mid-engine. You've mm-hmm. got all of that. Uh, but I think it's the 911 is a, it's it's the 911 because it's the 911. It's it's almost irrelevant 
for somebody who's on an early part of their Porsche or, sure, or car sure. ownership journey. Yeah, I, I get, I and get your go, logic. Yeah. What do you yeah, think? Because once you hit that 911, you might go, actually, I've, I've come up the scale and there's cars that I think are further down the scale. Actually, I enjoy those more. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've known a couple of people who've done that. They've graduated from a, a Boxer 2.5 to a, an S and they've gone to a 911 and they think, hang on, was the Boxer S better? Was the 2.7 better? Sure. Uh, just in terms of purely take away what it externally is, that the status that the 911 has, but it's a lot of it is the status of 911. It's just that that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, so I agree uh, from a certain point of view because of where you are on your journey. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, fair. Whereas Michael's going to get. Uh, yeah, but the 911 is, is a progression from the 356. Do you know what I mean? It's all, it's all there. I mean, it's, it's there's no denial really. of the silhouette, is there? Well, mm. you know, I always thought the 356, I've never been a big fan of the 356. I've never hidden that. I was never a fan of the 356, really. When you um, come to Perth, I'll let you alone your mind for a week. I remember they were cheap, right? I remember in Sydney, I remember seeing them, and I'm like, I've, I've said the story before, there was a restaurateur here in Sydney, a very famous restaurateur. He had a Cabriolet one, convertible one, whatever it was. Not a speedster, but just a normal software. Sure. And I remember they were really cheap at that time, and he, he didn't pay that much for it. But I never thought they looked like a 911, but they do. You know what I mean? The, the progression is there, isn't it? You know, you never the evolution. think they look like a 911, but they do. You know, they always look so different. Well, they in were the like same way a chimp looks like 911. a human? Huh? In the same way a chimp looks like a human? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I think anyway. The... Um but, you know, it. going back to the Cayman thing, going yeah. back to the Cayman thing, you know, all the slack on the Cayman gearbox, you can't drive it on the road, you're saying, but you can't drive a GT car, any GT car on the road properly, whether it be a GT3, yeah, a GT2 RS yes. or whatever. Yeah, good point. Are they really that, that, you know, everyone wants them because they just want them, but yep. are they that usable on the road? Not really. I had a, um, yep. at, at, at this, today as well at the, at the Porsche Centre Perth, there's a uh, Shark Blue GT3, 992 GT3 waiting collection mm. so mm. that's there parked next to the gt4 981 mm. gt4 big car a lot of motor car like you know not, to give you an idea ajmal here in australia a gt3 with no options starts at four hundred and fourteen thousand dollars, right wow yeah so it's a lot of dough right it's i don't know what that is in pounds probably 250 is that about, about the number michael uh, well, yeah, double less ten percent, so whatever that is. Yeah, okay, um, so yeah, well, yeah, probably is close there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two twenty. Yeah, so that's how much a GT three costs you in Australia without options. And um, terrible colour that shark blue. Terrible colour. Um, you know what? Now that I've had a close <laughs> look, I don't like the key line on the wheels. <laughs> I think it looks a bit eighties, right? But okay, way better than I expected. This had the contrast stitching in the of blue in the interior as well, mm. and all the leather and stuff. With a big fat spoiler, big, big fat spoiler on the back. Yeah, not as big in real life as what it looks in the pictures. It's kind of it kind of reminds me of the eighty spoilers that people put on their Honda Civics and stuff like that. Yeah, and when yeah, I look at it, I just think, no, it's wrong. It just, just that's it's not, incongruous. But that's why people like you and I, Ajmal, would buy a touring, isn't it? Exactly. I I'll think we on. always look at the wing in that way and then we see it in real life and it's not as bad. Yeah, I, I don't reckon um, the wing is What I thought bad. was – sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, I don't think the uh, wing is as bad in real life as what it looks in the pictures. In real life, it is way more subtle than I expected. Like when the pictures, yeah. I thought thing was going to have its own postcode. It was that big, you know. But yeah, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing the GTRS because it just cracks me up when I see big wings on cars. I think it's funny, you know. But then, you know, in the '80s, I thought a turbo wing was my god. How did they get a wing that big on the car? Hmm. You know, so it's all True. relative, isn't it? There's an interesting video on YouTube, uh, Larry or whatever his name is from Ammo, New York City. He's detailing a the cleaner? red GT3. Sorry? The cleaner? Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it. Is yeah. it good? Well, it's a brand new car, so he shows the defects in the paintwork. But yeah, when he's see- underneath the car, it's very interesting with the arrow underneath the car. And there's one piece of the arrow that's literally that close to the wheel. Like this bit of ducting or whatever is that close to the wheel. Wow. It's full on underneath. It's super flat and it has the arrow. You should watch it just to see underneath of the car because yeah, it's it really um, But that's almost like, isn't it, um, isn't it bordering on a Formula One type diffuser on the back and that yes. being so close to the wheel, it's channeling all the air to cool the brakes. Um, yes. and, and And just going back, I know everyone's spoken about this to death, but I still think the way that Porsches are sold, new Porsches are sold, is just... It's not right. You know, you can you can have the money, you can have it in your pocket, you can walk into a dealership, but if you're not in the know, you're not in the in the in crowd, you're not on a list, it's almost like trying to get into an exclusive nightclub. You know, you just know you're not going to get in. Um, I, I, when's that going to change? Is it going to change? How would it change? Because they only have a limited run and I guess that generates the demand. And even then when, like Michael, when you said, you know, any GT car, you can't exploit that performance on the road, but people own them because they want to own them. And a lot of people won't mm. track them. And when they buy them, they go, well, I don't want it with high mileage. And, you know, if a car's five, 10 years old, but it's got 30,000 miles on it, people have got all oh, that yeah. high mileage. And you, you just want to go, oh, really? Whereas I prefer Steve's way of looking at it. I want to drive it to work. I want to drive it to the shops. Yeah. And with modern suspension, you- those problems mm-hmm. are solved. You know, you... Yeah, companies like McLaren with the 720 sorted all that stuff out. You know, the these days of having to have your, you know, having to wear a kidney belt to drive your car, they're done. Yeah. You know, they're not. They've figured that suspension stuff out in cars now, and mm. you know the um, just to give you an idea, Ajmal, anyone can buy a GT3 in Australia. There's not, you don't need to be in the know. It's a off the shelf car. You go in, you order it, it's done. Isn't the allocation <laughs> reasonable? Really but you can't. But you can't. Yeah, in Australia you can, Michael. Really? Your recording oh, just stopped? Yeah, I just heard a message saying the recording okay. stopped. That's all right. It says I'm out of memory. The, um, but, yeah, the um, yeah, over, over, I know like I was in Porsche Centre today and there's mm. a guy who was ordering one after looking at the Shark Blue one and I was speaking to the dealer principal. I said, has he bought cars before? He says, no, we, there, isn't, there isn't a problem with GT3. You can place the order. It's an 18-month delivery, but you can place the order. Anyone can. Mm. It's going to be a different story about, with the RS, though. Because what about the the way the allocation works? So if the dealership says, you know, Melbourne, for example, that I am getting two GT3s, one PDK, one manual, and that's all mm. I'm getting, mm-hmm. there mm. must be some way of getting to that top of that list. They, they can't. It can't just be a free for all. I don't. I'm not sure. I, I well, here, well, here in that. Perth, there is that. That if they order the car, they will get the car. They've told me. So if you go in, you I think order. that's what I think that's what they're telling you. I don't think that's reality. I I, I really find that. Don't make me go and buy one to prove you wrong, Michael. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, I know just uh, <laughs> here in the UK, having, here, I, mm, I know mm. that. 
it's not the way because a friend of mine mm. bought um, a seven one eight spider when it was supposed to be the last of the naturally aspirated yep, one. I agree. Um, seven eighteen, and he put yeah, he put uh, he put his name down. It took um, I think a year. He was referred by somebody. Took him a year to get it, and then when he went in to put his name down for a nine eleven, he said it got him further up the list, but it didn't get him to the top because he hadn't bought a nine eleven before. Yep, sure. Mm. So I know that the 718s, uh, the GT4 RS, they're only getting two cars, is what they've told me. But GT3... Is that what they told you? Yep, they only get here in here in the in this dealership. Locally. Okay, because that's what, that's what um, someone else told me, that Newcastle Porsche here in New South Wales, they're only getting two. Yeah, so I think that might be a that's normal... It. I think that might be a thing for GT4 RS. And GT, RS upcoming two. GT3 RS... Similar sort of problem. You do have to be on the list. But for GT3 or GT3 Touring, no, they've said no problem. It's not a limited edition car. Michael, you're going to have to order one to test this theory. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to go to Porsche Sydney. I'm going to go to Porsche Sydney South and they're just going to laugh at me when I ask them that. Can I put an order down for a Touring? And they'll go, no. You mean you can't just, just do it? Maybe go to Perth. For an order online. Maybe they're nicer in Perth. I doubt if they do that in Sydney. <laughs> So what do you guys think? People in West Australia are friendly. (laughs) What do you think of the 992 body in general? It's big. Me? Yeah, either of you, yeah. You reckon it's big, Ajmal? I reckon it's massive. Yeah, it's huge. And I I like narrow body cars. Yeah, okay. And I like seeing my 996 next to – I've seen it next to a 991 uh, at the petrol station. And I just thought, that is massive. That's fat with a pH. Uh, It's it's like that, and, Michelin, and that just, Michelin ad for, you know, they show a 1966 Porsche 911 tyre next to a 2020 GT3 tyre. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen that mm. ad, that Michelin ad? It cracks it, me up. Exactly. So I, I just think it's it's huge and, and, you know, the feeling of speed and things like that. I feel like on the road, certainly, is that lost? I don't know. I've not been in a 911 or a 992. I'd have to experience it. But is it is it different? I don't know. It's 450 horsepower, for Christ's sake. That's true. Not, you can't hide from that number, can you? Not, yeah, not really. What about you, Michael? What do you think? I, I was it? never a fan. I was never a fan of the 992 when I first saw it. I thought it was a little bit, mm, I don't know, the rear and everything. But now I've seen it, you know, now I've seen it in, in the Middle East on the road. I've seen it in Bahrain. I've seen it in Dubai. I've seen it in London. And I've seen it here. And I've seen it in small places, you know, in Europe and stuff. I... I like it. I actually like it now. Whether or not I, I don't think I'd buy one, but I actually do like it. Do you reckon um, you could daily it? Actually, oh, you'd definitely daily it. You, I rec- think you could because I think it's a it's that sort of car. I really do think it's that sort of car now. No, it's I mean, a I, I, it's, a, it's a grand. I, it's become more touring. It's become. I think it's a GT know, car. More too, comfortable. Yeah. Um. I. I but I, you know, I, I like it. I. I think Porsche is clever. I think they're clever. I think they've done that retro, that interior with that retro sort of edge, you know. And a lot of people don't like the interior because it's too digital. But you know, it's got that retro edge. I think the rear is is nice. In fact, I look at a nine nine one now, and I'm not really, I'm not so keen on the nine nine one rear anymore. I think it looks. I'm surprised how quickly the nine nine one rear has dated. It looks old for me now. I felt like that about nine nine seven when nine nine one came out, though. I think no, 997 and 996s have aged really well. I think uh, that. See, I, I, I firmly believe that the immediately preceding version, 
So now 991, previously 997, is the, ugly is the one that dates the... Yeah, it always dates initially. And then it comes back into its own probably five, ten years later. And yep, yep. the same thing happened with the 996, 997, and 911. It's probably going to happen the same thing in about seven to eight years. People are going to look back and go, actually... I quite like that. Yeah. Magnus Walker is going to do a "Is this the next big thing?" video about it, and then everyone's going to want one. I do. I think. I, think I, would, I was following. I was following another nine nine seven the other day from the Harbour Bridge across back into the city, and it was a seal like the grey colour, whatever the nine nine seven grey colour was. And I tell you what, base Carrera, same as mine. It looks so small. Another one. This is the second one I've been following. I followed a silver one the other day. Stalker. But it 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 looks small. It really does. I'm looking at the back, going, it doesn't look that wide. It's got a nice shape two? to it, but it looks. I'm telling you, it looks classic. It's a classic. Two, it's, it's uh, well, I was going to say, two, not not too small. So it just looks small, not too small. Right? No, perfect. Yeah, it looks small, small but perfectly small. formed. Yeah, 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 not too small. No, not not too small. Yeah, it just looks small, smaller than I think when I'm standing next to it. I'm washing it or I'm getting into it. It looks small. The, I, I think um, the um, I think the nine nine two is probably the most. Um, the way it looks is more color dependent than any of the previous nine elevens. You know, the actual yes, colour of 992 is makes a big difference. It's almost like a Panamera. Yep. You know, Panameras look yep. terrible in some colours and look yep. know, almost acceptable in others, right? I think the 992 is a similar sort of beast. Yep. I right. think mm. the dark colours look amazing in them. Like there's a black full Darth Vader spec I saw today, you know, triple black, black wheels, black body, black interior. Looked incredible. And I'd never buy a triple black car, but this thing it was a little bit exciting, you know. And I it think looks the, beautiful I, in GT Silver as well. I think the aero kits look terrible on them. <laughs> I'm not a fan of aero kits at all, actually. Even in 996? No, no, just too much. It's cluttered. It's a, it's a nice clean shape. Uh, just any 911 is a nice clean shape. But then, you know, when you start putting winglets and uh, not winglets, but that's Formula One. Um, what, but what about ducktails? What about ducktails on? Um, Older cars. Uh, no, not for me. Original, genuine silhouette, best looker? Yep, best looker, yeah. How about you, Michael? I don't mind the aero kit. I never liked it, but I don't mind it so so much now. I think it's actually okay. It's quite rare as well, especially on 996s and 997s. Um, Ducktails, I like the idea of them, but not on a 996 or 997. What was that What was that 997 that came out? They made about four of them and they're worth a zillion dollars. They had a ducktail on it. What's that car called? Sport Classic. Yeah, Sport Classic. That's it. Oh. I reckon that was a shocking yeah. looking thing, that ducktail on that. But people just throw up everywhere over them. They love them. Yes, that's because it's, it's rare and it's one of those things that people, it's, it's like the GT cars, they, wanna, they want to own it rather than enjoy it or experience it yeah maybe um and, and that, that's kind of a shame but at the same time you know you know it frees up the other cars for everybody else <laughs> that's a great way to look at it Ashmal. yeah you're right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah all right then boys well i think we've gone on crapped on long enough about porsche and about our uh, social media lifestyles so i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today that's been really good fun. thank you mark yeah it's been good to have the uh two of you together and you know just talk Porsche yeah. and it's um, appreciate all the listeners that have hung around this long. Not, they don't normally do on my videos or on my podcast, by the way, when I look at the statistics, they sort of die out after about 15 minutes. I think it's my droney voice, but nonetheless, <laughs> thanks for the great work you're doing on uh, Porsche called Michael. I enjoy listening to it very regularly and Ajmal, I love your videos. 
Thank, I, you, I really thank, thank you, Mark. Uh, and just wanted to say it's... Uh, good to see you, Ashton, uh, too. Never see him. Yeah, it's good to see you, Michael. And I was just thinking the... I was listening to the voice call like I said to you earlier today. Time. We did. And then, you know... We never speak just, anymore. We never talk. I know, we don't, we don't talk anymore. He's got, a, he's, got new I did, Porsche, he's got new Porsche friends now. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got no Porsche friends. Um, but one of the things that I was going to say was... That on the you know you're trying to control the swearing on the podcast, and today I heard you know three fucks, a yes. fuckwit, and five shits. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Oh, good one. All right, then, boys, yeah, let's leave it at that. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, Mark. Cheers. Thank you.